0: Today we're finishing up a series in Hebrews chapter 1. I want to ask you a question. We've been talking about Jesus and the angels, and, and if you weren't here the past couple weeks, that's okay. Today, today certainly stands on its own. But I want to ask you a question to think about for a moment. Is Jesus worthy of our worship? And I, I would agree that he is, but do you know the scripture says that we should be ready to give an account for the hope that's in us? That is, we, when people ask us, well, why are you a Christian? We really should have a better answer than when I was a child somebody took me to church or my wife expects me to go. or We really should have a better answer than that. So is Jesus worthy of our worship? And I think if we were to reflect for a moment, many of us could come up with all kinds of reasons why he's worthy. Perhaps some of you here today have experienced the saving grace of Jesus. And you understand that he's worthy because he has saved you. Perhaps some of you understand some of the things that he has done. We might could give a long list of reasons that Jesus is worthy of our worship. In the passage that we're looking at today in, in verses 10 and, and following, the we'll past part of chapter 1, the writer of Hebrews gives us, he gives us three more reasons why Jesus is worthy of our worship. So Hebrews chapter 1 Beginning in verse 10. I want to ask you to join me in standing as we read God's word together. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 10. The Bible says, And you, Lord, and that's Jesus, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to the which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Let's pray together. Father, I pray today that you'd help us to understand afresh why Jesus is worthy of our complete devotion, our entire life, our service. Lord, may we leave here not just claiming to follow him, but may we leave here truly devoted to follow him, for it's in his name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, the first thing that the writer of Hebrews shows us here in these passages, and of course the writer of Hebrews is comparing Jesus with the angels, and we know that the angels uh, helped to give the Old Testament uh, covenant. That's the first part of chapter 2 of Hebrews. And so the rest of the book of Hebrews is making this argument because it was written to a group of people who were Jews who had come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they're the first generation of Christians in the first century, but now are being tempted to revert back to Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews is trying to convince them that Jesus is far superior to everything that was foreshadowed about him in the Old Testament. And so he compares Jesus with the angels. And so the same applies to us today as we think about why should we worship Jesus as opposed to worshiping anyone or anything else. And the first reason that we see here in verse 10 is that because Jesus is the creator of everything. Notice what it says in verse 10. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. There are things in the Bible that are, that are hard to understand. In fact, one of the New Testament writers says about Paul, that Paul is sometimes hard to understand. There are things in the Bible that are simply difficult because the Bible is a revelation from God who is so far beyond us and so far above us, but yet because of his grace, he wants to know us and love us. And so God is, is revealing things to us. And some of these things are just difficult to understand. And the, the understanding of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, what we call the Trinity, it's, it, it's, it's difficult sometimes to fully wrap our head around. But the farther that we get into God's revelation, understanding that, that, that little by little, from Genesis to Revelation, God is progressively revealing himself to us. Uh, we see the, the Bible makes no distinction between the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Spirit. At least not in creation and in Old Testament Israel. We know that the Son is the one who died to save us. The Spirit is the one who comes to lead us. I, I understand that distinction. But in this passage, the writer of Hebrews is quoting from the Psalms. And as he quotes, he's quoting a passage that David originally begins to talk about the Lord not understanding the Son and the Spirit. And the Bible says here that it was Jesus who was the Creator. In fact, this is not the only place where the Bible explicitly states that Jesus was intimately involved in the creation and was the very instrument of God in creating everything that we know. The Bible gives us passages in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 1, there's a passage where the Bible talks about that, that all things were made through him. It talks about that the creator came, but yet they knew him not. Jesus... It's the Creator. If we begin to reflect Him on who we are in relationship to Him, you and I, we are, we are the creation. We are the creation, and He is the Creator. It is that understanding of how far He is beyond us that that well, it makes it seem silly at times to try to explain Him or to feel like we need to defend Him. But when we understand that He is the Creator over everything then we realize that he is worthy of our worship you lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands notice verse 11 verse 11 begins to contrast the creator with the creation it says they will perish but you remain they will all wear out like a garment. You see, Jesus is not only the creator, but he is the everlasting creator. As the Bible contrasts Jesus with the kings and the rulers of the earth, they come and they go, but Jesus remains. And here the Bible contrasts the creator with the creation. And the creation will go, but the creator will remain. And sadly today, so many people have devoted their lives to try to save the creation while ignoring the creator but the bible says about jesus they will perish that is the heavens and the earth they're just the work of his hands they will perish but you remain they all wear up wear out like a garment Well, he's not only the everlasting creator, but he's also the unchanging creator. Notice verse 12, what it says. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But listen to this. You are the same, and your years will have no end. The Bible says here that Jesus is not only everlasting, but he is unchanging. He is eternal. His years have no end if we begin to reflect on, on just our our short lives and, and the oldest one here i know we've got some folks here in their 90s and the oldest one here our, our lifespan is just a just a blip on the radar in the scope of human history but if we just reflect back haven't we seen just amazing change think about all the things in the world that have changed as empires have come and gone and then in, in the last century those of you that have lived uh, several years in the last century we've seen technology so radically changed i mean i i remember just a few short years ago i was pastoring in north carolina i was driving i was listening to npr radio and they were talking about that apple was talking about coming out with a phone and now today almost all of us have one don't we by apple or a competitor they They dominate the world. And they didn't even exist just a few short years ago. So many things have changed. Companies that were part of the bedrock of our economy just a few years ago, they they no longer exist. Who would have thought in the 80s that Kodak would ever experience financial difficulties? But digital cameras made them obsolete. Things are constantly changing in our world culture is constantly changing. But Jesus is absolutely unchanging. So we can look at the world and we can be amazed at the creation. But when we are amazed at the creation, we should remember that the creation is the work of the creator. That's why he's worthy of our worship. And the creation, it's it's wearing out. But the creator, he remains he's everlasting the Bible also says that he is unchanging isn't it amazing to think that that 10,000 years from now Jesus will be the same as he was 2,000 years ago he is absolutely unchanging so I don't know where you are in your life today. I don't know if you desire to see some stability in your health or in your relationships or in your finances or in your world, but I want to tell you that Jesus is the one thing. He is the one person that is steady, stable and absolutely unchanging and that's why we can depend upon him and that's why he is worthy of our Worship. Well, I want you to notice in verse thirteen what the Bible says here is we have another quotation from the Old Testament. The Bible says, "Into which of the angels has He ever said, sit at My right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to Your feet.'" Well, this Old Testament quotation is again the, the writer of Hebrews tells us that it's ultimately about Jesus because Jesus is not only the Creator but Jesus is the supreme ruler you see for now for now people are allowed the freedom to rebel against him people are allowed the freedom to pursue all kinds of evil Uh, people are allowed to do whatever they want to do because jesus has given us freedom because in our freedom we have the opportunity to choose to love him or to choose to reject him but the bible tells us that he is in ultimate and complete control and the first time that Jesus came, Jesus came in meekness and humility. But when Jesus comes again, he's going to come in triumph. And the Bible tells us here in this passage, And to which of the, other, which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet? Well, none of the angels has the Lord ever said that to because the angels are just part of the created order. But yet Jesus is the creator and the ruler. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the sooner that we understand who he is and who we are in relationship to him, then we can understand that we need to worship him and we need to follow him. He is the ruler and sustainer of everything. You know, the Bible teaches us that not only were all things made by him and for him, but in him, the Bible says, all things hold together because he is the ruler. He is the sustainer. This passage, that talks about Jesus as being ruler. As it says, which to the angels as he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Throughout the Bible, we see this picture of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Early on in Genesis, as Adam and Eve rebelled against God, and God confronted Adam and Eve and confronted Satan. We had this first mention of the gospel in Genesis 3, verse 15. As God foreshadows what he's going to do through Jesus Christ, and he says that you will, bruise his heel, but you will strike his head. It's a reference to Jesus being crucified and the nails be driven through his feet and his hands. But to Satan, as Jesus died on the cross, it was a a mortal wound, a strike to the head. And it was a complete victory because Jesus is the ruler over everything. To which of the angels has the Lord ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemy a footstool? none to which king has lord ever said that none but to jesus christ he sits at the right hand of the father ruling and reigning with absolute and complete authority you and i may think of the great commission at the end of the gospel of matthew matthew 28 we always focus on go and make disciples but i want you to notice the first part of that verse All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has absolute and complete authority. And that's why he's worthy of our worship. I want to show you one last reason in this passage. In verse 14, notice what it says. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Well, the Bible tells us here about angels. And and first of all, it says that angels are ministering spirits. And so we've already learned from the earlier part of this chapter in Hebrews that they're just part of the created order. The Bible compares them to like wind and the fire, the other things that God created and that God controls. And the Bible says here that they are ministering spirits. So the Lord created them, and the Lord created them so that they might minister to us. All throughout the Bible, we see examples of how angels were used as God's agents to minister to his people. When Daniel was in the mouth, when Daniel was in the lion's den, and they asked Daniel, basically said, "How, How did you survive? Daniel said, the Lord sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. Daniel 6.22. And what a thought that the Lord sent his angel. The Bible tells us over and over again how God sent his angels to minister to his people. You know, as you and I begin to understand this, and we recognize that that we're not to worship angels, but we should be thankful for angels, and we should be in awe of angels. The Bible teaches that they're often among us when we're completely unaware. And the role that they play in protecting God's people is amazing. And you see, one of the reasons that we should worship Jesus is because he loves us so much that he created the angels, and he sent them to serve and to minister to us. I absolutely love missionaries, this past Wednesday night we had a missionary from Cambodia and, and this, this, earlier this fall I was, I was in Thailand with one of our missionaries and they were telling me the story about a particular village where they had led several people to faith in Christ and in this, this village there was a witch doctor which is very common in that part of Asia uh, they're 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 almost all uh, spiritualists, and they believe in, in different spirits. And so every every town or every little village has a shaman, and that's their that's their trade is, is to to be a witch doctor. And so uh, she began to share the story about how different people came to faith in Christ, and they were suffering persecution from the others. As each person came to faith in Christ. The witch doctor knew who came to faith because he had a role of all the people in his village. And as these people came to faith in Christ, the missionary told me that their name would, would fade from his role. So he began to cast spells and to call upon evil spirits to go and to torment those who had chosen to follow Christ and he told the story in in court. He actually sued the Christians to try to get them out of his out of his area. And so as the governor said said, "Why do you want the Christians out of your area?" This is the words that he said to the governor in court. He said he said, "Because I have no authority over the fierce Jesus spirit." And he told the story about how he had sent out the spirits. And they came back to him and said, if you send us again to the home of a Christian, we'll kill someone in your family. He said, we went and we couldn't get past the three men in white guarding the home. What a powerful story. A powerful story that's so consistent with the biblical accounts of God sending his angels to protect his people. Are they not all ministering spirits? And I want you to notice the second thing. Sent out to serve. Sent to serve. Jesus is worthy of our worship because he's not only the creator, he's not only the supreme ruler, but he has created the angels and he sent them out to serve us. As Jesus was about to be arrested and Peter tried to come to his rescue, Jesus said, do you not understand that I could call out and my father could send legions of angels? They are at his disposal for him to send. Because just like us, he is the creator and they are the creation. And he can send them at any time to serve us, to guide us, and to do his will. I want you you to notice one last thing in verse 14. He says, for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. You see, Jesus is worthy of our worship because he's the creator. He's worthy of our worship because he is the supreme ruler, but he's worthy of our worship because he is our savior. He's our savior. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved there is absolutely no other way for us to be saved than to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ we can't be good enough to save ourselves we can't pay for our own sin we can't get there through any other cult or any other religion the only way is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, friend, He is He is worthy of your worship. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today that, that you'd help us to believe and understand all that you've taught us through this passage. We give thanks to you for your creative ability that's beyond our comprehension. We give thanks that Jesus is not only well-intending, but he has ultimate authority and he is able to rule. And Father, we give you thanks because he's our Savior. Lord, I pray. I pray if there's any person here, I pray if there's any person that's watching or listening that's never come to understand this, Lord, I pray that today you might open their eyes That they would come to receive you and call upon you for salvation. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, Jesus is worthy of our worship, but you know, for now, He gives us all the choice whether we want to worship Him or not. And so I want to ask you today, has there ever been a time in your life that you made the decision to no longer trust in yourself, no longer trust in anything else, but trust in Jesus. You see, when he died on the cross, he died for you. When Jesus came, the the event that we celebrate at Christmas, when Jesus came, he came for you. But it's up to us whether we'll receive him or not. Do You know that right now, if you were to make the decision to follow Christ, if you would call out in prayer and ask for forgiveness, then friend, you too, would be one of the ones that verse 14 talks about who will inherit salvation. And you, I don't know your financial condition. You may not stand to inherit a lot. You may not stand to inherit anything from this world. But if you believe and trust in Jesus, you will inherit Salvation, that's what verse 14 says.